You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Would you pray with me? Dear breath of heaven, light in our darkness, Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for the story that we've heard so often, but for the reality of it. Lord, this morning I ask that you would help us to go back and not just uh, see the story as, oh yeah, it's that, that story about Christmas again, but just the reality of the incarnation, the reality of God made flesh and what that means for us. Thank you so much for this event that is real in our lives today. And uh, I just ask that you would open our hearts, our minds, and help us understand your word. So I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we're talking uh, about the long-awaited Messiah, and the title up here says Songs of Christmas, but the first two are primers for the actual songs of Christmas. So last week, Tom Nunciato gave us one, this week is another one, but uh, the next four are songs, so just hang on, they're coming. All right, um, but uh, as, we, as we get started, um, the question that, um, well, I'm going to go back and just mention a little bit about Tom's sermon last week. Um, for about 400 years before the story that we're talking about today, there was just silence from heaven when it came to God's people. They had been, uh, the last two prophets that actually spoke from God, the last few were Ezra, Nehemiah, and then there were some minor prophets that, that, that gave God's word back 400 years previously when they came back from the exile and they started rebuilding Jerusalem. But for 400 years, there's silence. And last week, Tom mentioned this old couple that probably understood that silence because for their entire lives, well, their married life, now that they're in their old age, they had been praying for a child and waiting, praying and waiting. Just, God, would you give us a child? Would you give us a child? Because not having a child uh, is, is, was, a shame, was a shameful place to be. And so they kept living in that waiting and waiting and waiting and not happening. And then old age came in, and now it's too late. Until the angel shows up and says, Zechariah, you're going to have a son. <laughs> and Zechariah's question uh, is, wait a second, how, how will this be? But the way he says it wasn't a curiosity uh, can I would like an explanation of how it's really going to happen. It was more of a, there's no way. How will this be? It's not possible, right? And because of his disbelief, interestingly, he's talking to an angel. But because of his disbelief, he would go mute and, and deaf, uh, possibly deaf in that passage for months until the child uh, comes around. And then Elizabeth will go uh, on bed rest. She, she conceives and she's going to go on bed rest for six months. 
But that's going to take us to the passage this morning because it's at the end of that six months. The story is going to shift from Zechariah and Elizabeth to a little town in Nazareth. But that question, uh, as I was thinking about this passage, and I, I'm 38 years old. No, sorry, I'm 48 years old. Let me try to get <laughs> 48 years old, um, and I've been hearing this story since I was a little kid. I mean, even before I understood uh, speech, you know, I've been hearing about the Christmas story. In fact, when I was a kid, I was in many plays, and this passage where the angel comes to Gabriel, I memorized in Spanish because my name, I think my mom was preparing me for the pageant when she named me because when I was older, I was the angel Gabriel, and I could, I could quote what he said in Spanish uh, to, to Mary, right? Um, but that question, how will this be? Have you ever asked that question? Yeah, probably. <laughs> in the past week, maybe, right? But uh, in my lifetime, there have been multiple times where I've come to, like, a situation that's coming, and I'm trying to figure out, wait a second, how, how is this going to happen? How will this be? There's... And, and you don't necessarily see it. I think of growing up in South America. I grew up uh, as a, my mother's Paraguayan. My dad's an American from North Dakota, but by now he's mostly Paraguayan because that's just where he's lived most of his life. But I grew up in Paraguay, and I wasn't raised like your average, like a lot of missionary kids who go to the foreign field, and they're foreigners in the land. I was a Paraguayan mom's kid, so she was like, no, you're going to the, the normal school. You're going to be treated like you're a Paraguayan. So I grew up speaking the native language, uh, and I remember one of the things I did when I was in my uh, 13, 12, 13, 14 was I ran a Bible, uh, a little bookstore that had all these Christian books, but also goods. And among those books, there were all these correspondence courses from this school in, in North America. And they were Bible courses. And so I read a, a lot of those. Um, and on the back, it said Emmaus Bible School or Emmaus Bible College. And I, and I remember dreaming man, wouldn't it be great if I could go study in the States? You know, and because I was thinking, I'm a Paraguayan. But my passport says American, so I got to do that. And I came to the States, went to college. But that question, how will this be? It happens when we're young. Um, later on in life, when I'm considering marriage, I know my, I get to know this lady named Carrie, and she's amazing, but she's so different than me. And I'm just trying to figure out, how will this be? Uh, there are so many things I'm gonna, uh, that I'm going to probably have to give up and, and be just, it's, it's going to be different. But just thinking, how will this be, right? Uh, years later, we had gone to, I remember uh, we were in Bolivia as missionaries and came back. And, and when, we were, when we came back, that wasn't planned. Um, we had an emergency and we had to come up. And... Uh, that meant buying tickets from South America to here, and we needed about $10,000 to be able to make the trip up. Someone needed to go to, to, to be, uh, anyway, there were doctors involved, things that, it was an emergency. We had to come up, but we didn't have $10,000. And I remember praying, how will this be? Like, what's going to happen? And someone didn't know them from, I don't know them. Someone just wrote a check for $10,000. And it was, it was there in our statement. Like, it was, just showed up in the bank. And I'm thinking, wow. Um, 
one, that's an example. Another one was when we started, we came back to the States, and I finally started to realize we're not going to be able to go back because we really wanted to go back. I really wanted to go back. And I realized God's taking that dream away, and he's giving me something different. And it came in the form of this little group, Hispanic group that met in the great room back there called Comunidad. And uh, God was just tugging on my heart to invest and be, be involved in ministry there. Um, and, and I started doing that, but I was thinking, I don't know if I want to do that. Maybe I'll go back to teaching. And so I started that question, how will this be? And here we are years later. I don't know what your hows are. How will they be? But in this story, the story of this, visit, of this angel who comes to visit Mary, she will ask that question, and we'll get into that in a bit. But again, going back, Elizabeth was on bed rest for six months, and that's where we pick up the story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So we're in, we're in, this, in this part of the story. Um, and I just want to encourage you, uh, maybe you've heard this story many times, but go back and let's look at it fresh. We have a tendency of kind of letting it, okay, just, it's just a Christmas story. Man, this is an amazing story. <laughs> it's amazing reality. I want to encourage you to look at it with fresh eyes. Um, so when we go back at this, Mary has a surprise visitor, but I want to go back to the very beginning of this story uh, Mary has the surprise visitor, right? We already talked about Elizabeth in her six months, and she's waiting, right? But surprise visitor, why is this a surprise visitor? Does Mary have an angel come visit every day, or how often? No, right? This is, this is, this is new, something that doesn't normally happen. And she's imagined 13, 14. Um, you can imagine, like, Zechariah, he goes to the temple, right? He's in the temple and an angel shows up. That makes sense. He's in the temple, right? It's a good place for this kind of thing to happen. I don't know where Mary is. She might be sitting by a well or something like that, because that's where women in the Bible tend to have things happen. Uh, I don't, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Uh, but Mary gets to surprise this, this visitor, this angel. And uh, 
I'd like to go ahead and think about that for a moment. It says God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town of, in Galilee. Who sent the angel? God. So there's this conversation in heaven. I'm not sure what that looks like, but let's imagine a little bit. God's on his throne. And there are probably four cherubim flying around, you know. And he says, Gabriel, come here. Gabriel comes in, and God says, I have a message for you to deliver. Another one? Yeah. And this one here gives it to him. Look it over, you know, just to make sure you get it right. And the angel Gabriel's looking over this message, and he's like, wait, to Nazareth? Okay, um, it says here um, she's going to have a son. <laughs> That's just it's like the promised one. Do we have this right? She's a virgin. And God's like, yep, yep, you got it right. Yep, you're reading it correctly. Yeah, and, and I don't know if the cherubim are overhearing this, and they're thinking, did, they just, did he just say the promised one is on the move, the son of God is on the move? This is the incarnate, incarnation is happening. What? God's going to become flesh? And, and that's, that's the story. That's what happens. But there's this, this scene in heaven where God sends his angel to deliver a message. It already happened last week, right? But the question for me and for us here is, am I aware there's a spiritual world around me? Life isn't all about what I can see, feel, touch, smell, you know, this. There's something so much bigger happening. And it involves conversations with God and angels and those who have passed away. It, it involves a world that is, that is at, at war and fighting over you and me. This is what's happening. And this part of the story is God. He's going to send his delivery. He's going to send this, the Messiah is coming. But am I aware? Do I understand this story? Because if I just think of this story as something that happened back then, and I'm not aware of the conversation in heaven, but if I'm aware of the conversation in heaven, then I can think, oh, that's happening today too. That's still going on. This is, this is the world we live in, right? And then the angel Gabriel sent to a virgin pledge to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. What do we know about her? She's pledged to be married. She's engaged. And back then, if you were engaged, like the only way to separate that would actually be a divorce because an engagement meant you are, that it's happening that that's happening. But she's not married yet. They're in that year of, of waiting, right? And this angel is going to come to her. Uh, Joseph, the guy she's going to marry, he's a descendant of David. He comes from the kingly line. The, the king of the, the, he's, he comes from the majestic line of David. That's where the promised Messiah is supposed to come from. And so he's, that's who he is. And her name, Mary, right? So this is, this is a story. The angel went to her and said, Greetings. <laughs> I, just, I just can imagine that, right? Greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Okay? I don't know where she's at, but that's, those are the words. And what's interesting is this. Mary was greatly troubled, not at the fact that there's an angel talking to her, but she's troubled at the words, at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Maybe the, the angel was nice enough to not show up in beaming light and all that. Maybe he was just looked like the average Joe, right? I don't know. But, 
But she's wondering what kind of greeting this might be. Is this a good greeting? Is this a bad greeting? I think she's aware that he's an angel. But she's troubled. She's afraid. And so the angel answers, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Why? Does she find favor? Does it, it doesn't say. It doesn't say what about her is it that gains her favor. It doesn't say anything about that. And from we know about God's character is he chooses unlikely people, people who, people who you wouldn't expect. Obviously, a girl in Nazareth, right, who <laughs> you, you wouldn't give her a second thought, maybe, and, and God's choosing her. Um, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. So God chooses Mary. Mary is chosen to bring in the promised one. But he chooses her. And I just think that's really amazing that God would look at all of these people throughout all of humanity and select this girl 2,000 years ago and say, you are going to bring the Messiah into the world. You're going to be the one to introduce him. You'll care for him. You'll be his mom. And here's Mary, but she's chosen to bring the promised one. And then the angel has this very clear uh, name that the father is giving the son. Which probably also leads me to think about that conversation between father and son. Son, it's time. (laughs) You will become Emmanuel. You're going to leave this position of of majesty, of of great power and glory, and you're going to clothe yourself with humble flesh, creation. You're going to become human, and and that's that's what's going to happen. But your name, his name is Jesus, Jesus, right? And Jesus is a transliteration of the the Hebrew term Yehoshua, or Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. Jehovah, right? Yahweh saves. That is his name. God's saying, this isn't just any name. He's saying, this is who he is, and it's the Father's name for his Son. And that word means Savior. Why do we need a Savior? Why does the world need a Savior? Could have been King. Well, that's who he is too, but his name means God saves uh, last week, I had the privilege, not last week, Thanksgiving week. Was that last week? I think so, yeah. Uh, I had the privilege of speaking Thursday morning um, at, a, at a church where a bunch of people gathered just for a Thanksgiving service, and they asked me to speak, so I, I shared from Psalm 107. And Psalm 107 is a, is a thought, psalm of thanksgiving. And it says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Gratitude for two reasons. One, God's good. James says um, that every good gift comes from the Father of lights. He is good. Right? The second thing is because his love endures forever. He loves you. And then the second verse in that chapter says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. 
And I could go on and tell you, like, well, here's what Jesus comes to save us from. But in that psalm, let me just tell you what the redeemed, who the redeemed are. And then what they say later, I encourage you to go look at Psalm 107. But Psalm 107 talks about uh, those who are redeemed, and they tell their stories. And they are those who were far, those who wandered, those who were hungry and thirsty, lives ebbing away. Those who cried in trouble, those in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because of their own rebellion. Some were fools near the gates of death. They loathed all food. When I read that psalm, and I think David wrote that, uh, who knows when, feels like he's praying something I should be praying. Because if we know who we are, since Adam and Eve till now, we are those who were far, far from God, separated from the source of life, separated from his goodness and his love. Those are the redeemed. Those who wandered. We pursue life. We pursue meaning, value, um, peace, joy. And we chase him in all these wrong directions and we end up wandering like the lost sheep and we need a savior someone to redeem us those who are hungry and thirsty it reminds me of of that woman by the well in john chapter 4 who is pursuing to satisfy her life in relationships she's looking for meaning and value and she keeps this one didn't work maybe it'll be the next one maybe it's the next one and the more she's doing this the the more value she's not Getting, not, not, not feeling, not, 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 she doesn't know it until she meets Jesus, the Savior. And he basically opens up her life and he says, here's, here's where you're pursuing life. I can give you living water. And this is, this is Jesus. Um, Isaiah 55 says, come to me, all you who are thirsty. Right? This is Jesus. We need Jesus. We need the Savior. And so my question to you would be, do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you're here this morning, do you know him? What does that look like in your life? Do you have conversations with Jesus? Are there moments where you spend time listening to his voice? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, he comes now and is offering you life. He say, would you just receive me? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open the door and let me in, I will come in and I, I will eat. We will sit down. We'll have a meal together. That's a picture of relationship, right? You want to have a conversation. You want to start a friendship with someone? Sit down and eat with them. And Jesus said, I want to eat with you, but I'd like you to invite, let me in. I'm knocking but you have to let me in. So let me ask you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you don't, this is an opportunity to you right now. Talk to him. He's listening. He's listening. Just invite him in. Tell him, I need you. I need you to come and be my savior. That's Jesus. You know, this Jesus, the angel tells Mary, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is the promised one. He's great. There's nobody that compares to this Jesus. And then the story goes on. Uh, but, but I think about Mary. She's called for a purpose. A very specific, tied to the Messiah, like you wouldn't believe purpose. But how about me? You and me. Has God called you for a purpose? And, and, and then, what is that purpose? Do you know what it is? And I'm not necessarily asking you to consider, like, uh, when you go to the store, which bread should you buy? That's, that's not the kind of will and purpose I'm asking you to consider. But what is God calling you to? First, he's calling you into a relationship with Jesus, just to have him in your life as your Savior. But then if you are, a, if you are if you're already in relationship with Jesus, man, the purpose God has for you is amazing. Because he's calling you to be his son and, or daughter, his child, wherever you are. Whether it's at home, at work, whether you're in government, in social work, whether you're a carpenter, it doesn't at play. He's saying, you're my son, my daughter. I would like you to represent me where you are. What does that look like in your life? What does it look like to follow me? Get baptized. Grow in your faith. Be careful of not becoming an old baby with a mustache. Right? <laughs> Grow in this relationship. Grow. This is God's purpose for our life. I think about... Uh, before I play this video, God's calling you for all kinds of purposes, but I'd like to give you one example. This is Immigrant Connection. Uh, they are a great, or it's a great organization that is basically serving, underst understands God's calling for the life. There was a conversation years ago between Jerry Smith and David Ranabarger and Tita. And, and just to let you know, Tita, uh, she had graduated as a counselor. She was already lined up to work. Her career path is ahead of her. And then she felt like God saying, I would like you to do something about people who need help with documentation. And she chose to put aside like what God was calling her to do, like, well, no, her career path, and put a break on it and say, I'm going to invest in what God is calling me to do. And here's a story of what has been happening since.
You helped individuals who had no status before adjust status to become green card holders. You boosted our local economy by empowering willing and able hands with the necessary work authorization to work at our local restaurants, landscaping companies, hospitals, schools, and others. You brought hope to countless individuals who once were afraid to even talk about immigration. Yet they showed up in our office and they discovered lawful pathways towards residency and citizenship. And what amazes me the most amidst all this amazing work that Jesus did through us is how Jesus truly showed up in real people's lives, bringing real hope and peace and joy and love. So Grace, on behalf of our growing Immigrant Connection PDX staff, volunteers, and clientele, Thank you for your generosity, and Merry Christmas. So that's Immigrant Connection. One of the things I absolutely love about them is that when they sit down with a client to have a conversation, I took a, a man and, and sat him down, and we were talking about his situation. Right away, they ask him, how are you doing? Let's talk about life. And then they share the gospel with, with, with the, this person. So it's not just about helping them here and now. It's about spiritual health. How are you doing in your relationship with God? It's about the gospel. So that's, that's Immigrant Connection. Um, it's been a privilege to be able to... Uh, be uh, be one of the persons that uh, decides like who gets help with with the fellow, with the uh, with the uh, um, immig- immigrant fund immigration fund like they would send us forms of people who need help and usually we've been able to say yes well last month we were able to transition that account it goes straight to immigrant connection and they're in charge of it now which gives them the opportunity to have other churches involved in that scholarship fund, which is pretty cool. In a little bit after the sermon, you'll have an opportunity to give uh, towards Advent Conspiracy. Part of that is going to go to Immigrant Connection as well. But it's just one of the ways in which God's purpose is, is playing out in our lives, and it's happening through you. We'll have some opportunities coming, like the Advent Conspiracy or the Christmas Community Celebration. Ways to serve, they're coming. Question, are you involved in God's purpose? Like, are, are, are you, what is that in your life, and are you following it? Um, this next part, the question comes. <laughs> the angel tells Mary, you know, this is what's going to happen. And she asks that question, how will this be? How will this be since I am a virgin? She's very aware of the norm of how this happens, and that's not it, Right? And so she's trying to figure out, well, what's going to, how's this going to happen? And if you go to Greek mythology and you go and look at uh, the uh, other religions, you know, they, they, back then they would talk about the gods coming from heaven and uh, being with women, not necessarily marrying them, maybe marrying them, but there's all this drama and selfishness. And this is nothing like that. There's nothing like that. The angel goes on, oh, remember... That same question was asked by Zechariah. How is this possible? The difference is Zechariah asked, and, and he doubted. Like, he did not believe. Even though the angel Gabriel is talking to him, and he was afraid when he saw him, he still was like, There's, I'm old. Like, this isn't going to happen. And it did. Um, so Mary asked the question, 
How will this be? With curiosity. It's good to be curious, to go to God and say, how? How is this going to be? I don't understand. But ask an honest, curious question, right? And Mary wonders and asks, how? How about you and me? <laughs> Do we ask how, right? Um, will I trust God with, a how, God with a hows in my own life? We have them. Right? They're coming. <laughs> will, will I be able to ask him how and ask and wait? Sometimes the waiting is a long time, but trusting him in the how is, is really important. And then the angel in this case, he actually gives, he gives Mary the answer, right? The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It reminds me of the verse in Hebrews 11 where it says, uh, we believe that God spoke and the universe came to be. This is kind of like that, where the creator of the universe has this conversation with Jesus, the son. It's time to become flesh. And he empties himself of his glory and he becomes a piece of flesh, a tiny little one in a womb. And he begins to grow and, and grow. And then he's, he's born. But this is, this is how that happens. So there is the how and, and the explanation, right? Um, and, and then the other, the other the, what's cool about this is God just doesn't leave her hanging. He, he confirms, he affirms what he's doing. He, Mary is part of God's work. And he wants her to know, he wants her to know that, right? And she's also very willingly involved. She's like, Lord, yeah, we'll get to this in a minute, but let me just see if it's here before I go to that. Uh, he basically, she's part of God's work, and he tells her in this passage, Elizabeth is also going to have a son. She was told she could never have a son, but go check it out. And she will take a trip down and talk to Elizabeth, and she will see, because she will be off bed dressed at that point, and they'll have conversations, and, and John's going to kick because his cousin's in the room. It'll be exciting, but it's a way of God affirming. If she walks in the room, and Elizabeth says, blessed, you are blessed, favored one. And she affirms what's happening in Mary's life. And God's people, God brings people into her life to affirm her. He does the same for us. And, and Mary is part of God's work. And, and what's neat about Mary is he's willingly involved in God's plan. Look at this. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That's her heart attitude. So my question, just something to consider. Mary was all in. She's all in, Right? Um, and someone showed me a hat today that actually had that phrase on it, which a side note, squirrel, I know. But, but she was all in. Am I? How much of my life am I surrendering to the Lord? Am I willing to follow him? And when you think about Mary, to be able to say, I'm the Lord's servant, I'm, I'm all in, man, what's that going to mean for her relationship with Joseph? Is he really going to believe? <laughs> will, will he believe like she does? Is someone going to really believe, yeah, uh, this is the child of God and it's a miracle? What about the people in her home, in, in Nazareth? How are they, what about mom and dad? I don't know if they're going to believe this. 
And when you go back in the story and you hear what people say about Jesus in his hometown later, they didn't. But she's all in, and am I. I'd like to invite the uh, worship team to come back up. One of the ways that we choose to remember Jesus and this story is communion. Communion. He, Jesus left this, these two symbols for us to remember who he is and what he's done for us. It's interesting to me that God chooses food <laughs> to remember the Savior. Isn't it? He could have chosen something else, like a cross. Well, we use that, but that wasn't it. But he chooses food. Why, why food? I'm not sure exactly, but one of the things about food is that we have to eat food to survive, <laughs> to live, right? We eat and we have to drink to quench our thirst. And Jesus invites us to this table. So I would encourage you, please come up, take the elements, go back, sit down. We're going we're gonna to take a moment, sing Silent Night, and just be in that silent place, in a quiet place before the Lord as we ponder this story and get ready to, to remember what Jesus did. Please come up. The Apostle Paul, in speaking about the elements, he said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus... On the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for allowing your son to come live among us and to die among us. Thank you for his body that was broken in our place so that ours would have be set free. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, thank you so much for allowing your son to pour his life out for his blood to be shed in our place. Thank you for the, the price of redemption. And thank you because as we remember, we are declaring that this isn't over. You're coming back. And Lord, everybody needs to know. And so we thank you and we remember in Jesus' name. Amen. He shall reign forevermore. That implies something. Yes. What does it imply? He's king, right? Um, I just think about this, this line that Mary uh, mentioned at the end. But I, I, I forgot to say something earlier. That question, uh, how, how is this possible? How will this be? And that is a question that happens. It, it's not just a question she had back then. That's a question everybody asks. Is all this real? Is this really real? You really believe that? <laughs> yeah, I actually do. Yeah, I do. I, you call me crazy, but I do. It happened. Jesus is alive today. And furthermore, Mary's answer, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. May that be your prayer this week as you go out. Father, may we be your servants. 
May your word, your purposes, may we live in those and may they be fulfilled. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and live it out. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.